John, um, I, I think we're at episode 76 now. Uh, I lost count. So All sure. right. Well, Spirit <laughs> of 76, whatever, man. We're, uh, you know. Wasn't that a hockey team or something? It was also like the big 1976, you know, you know, America's Bicentennial. Whatever. It has nothing to do know. with anything here. <laughs> we have been talking to UA participants. We have been talking to um, various suppliers and things like that that uh, were sponsors of UA. And strangely enough, we haven't had a chance yet to talk to my driver. I was co-driver for on UA, Chad McKinney, who we've talked to before on the show. What do you think about getting a hold of him uh, one more time and Sounds kind of talking good. some UA stuff and seeing what he's up to today? We haven't talked to him in a while, so let's do it up. Let's make it happen. All right. Sounds good. It's time to hit the trail, lock in those hubs, and throw it into low range. Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. They're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up. Here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. All right, Chad, we got you on the line, buddy. Chad's here. Hey, Chad, man. What's going on, man? So, hey. Just just, just doing what? Just enjoying a high life. A high life, well, that's that's perfect. I drank my last one two nights ago. I'm disappointed. Hey, you know, you and I haven't talked much, buddy, since we did UA together. I know we've we've chatted for maybe 10, 15 minutes here and there. You've been super busy with work, so have I. Um, You know, first of all, how you been since UA? What's going on? We have just been uh, buried with orders coming in the door. It's been a really good time. Um, No complaints whatsoever. Kind of missing the uh, off-road experience, so that was a uh, <laughs> probably a life changer, I guess is the word to use. You know, yeah, that was your first real like crazy multi-day off-road trip. I know you've done other off-roading in the past, but this was like your first like straight up, you know, kind of overlanding type of trip. Uh, did you did you enjoy it? Did you not? What was you know was it your did you get the bug, or is it like not for you? You want to go buy a Prius now and put some twenty-two inch rims on it, or what? Dare you insult the man? <laughs> what do you well, want? I've already do? got the Prius in the driveway, so we don't need to do another one. But I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, it, it was it was the first off-road experience of any caliber. You know, you guys live up there in Michigan. We've been up to the Silver Lake Sand Dunes, which is basically just like you know a fun event for the day, but not really off-roading. Uh, so to go and do this, it was just. Uh, you know, heck, my wife, Carrie, and I were just talking last night. Uh, you know, she couldn't understand when I said, yeah, you know, uh, Sam and that green Jeep said, yeah, go that route. And I said, there's no way we went that route. You know, and uh, if they hadn't all gone in front of you, there'd be no way you'd go down the same <laughs> hill. So it's it just a heck of a time. So, you know, on UA, uh, what was, uh, you know, jumping right into it, what was like your favorite part of that entire trip? What was, what, what really like got you? What did you enjoy the most? Truly, I liked the more tame part of it. I, I've always had a weird uh, uh, fascination with that movie Twister, and uh, oh, I like how they're just out cruising the back roads for just mindless miles, uh, and just seeing the scenery and just kind of getting lost. So for me, actually, you know, we were cruising that one day through, uh, I guess it was Wyoming, where it was, you know, the desert where we went and checked out all the fossils and whatnot. That that to me was just. 
spectacular because it was just you're able to just get lost and not have to think about things. So that was that was really it. cool. Yeah, yeah, that that was awesome. That was the day that um, Vern Simons went on, and he was on the radio there and told us for about fifteen or twenty minutes about his dad taking him back when he was a kid all over that area in the Badlands and whatnot. You remember that? That's right, and and it's funny to think that that's a cool part because if you remember the one night when we met up, or I guess we didn't meet up, but we ran into the um, the, the fire jumpers, the guys that were trying to do a pre burn to get ahead of the fires out there. And, and for them, what we're trying to do for fun, that's their job. So you have to think, what do they do for fun? Do they come to Ohio and, you know, sit around a campfire? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> well, I thought they came to Ohio and they ate, like, Skyline Chili or something. I don't, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, yeah, that was, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because that was really one of my highlights of the trip, too, was when Vern was telling us those personal stories. And like you said, we were out in just absolutely nowhere and it just and like you said with the twister thing and you i remember you remember you and i were playing the soundtrack on the phone and stuff and <laughs> through the bluetooth radio but it was yeah it, you're right i forgot about that but that that is true we were playing that damn song over and over <laughs> yeah just you know the humans being by uh i think it's van halen if i remember right yeah nice. I, don't know, I could listen to it right now oh that's funny uh it, it was though that was just it, and it was such a different landscape it was like it was like wheeling on Mars almost at times. It was just it, it didn't even look it didn't even look earthly where we were at. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's uh, so. I mean, that was definitely probably one of my highlights of the trip. Um, of course, meeting everybody and you know people have been reading about for twenty years. You know, I've been in this world and uh, uh, doing all that, and just the the whole thing was just completely overwhelming. Um, you know, I gotta say too though that your rig. Um, you know, I had my doubts in the beginning, um, you know, being on Dana 44s and not one tons and, um, being a quote unquote stockish JK, even though you had trust the axles and put 38s on it. Um, uh, I, I was very, very impressed. The fact that every day something else was loose or had been missing through the course of the day didn't concern you. It didn't, but you know what? I tell you what, you didn't break anything major. And, you know, being a former JK owner myself with that 09 that I had that was, uh, I had that NSG 370 or whatever they call it, that six speed that literally shifted like an old, uh, an old hard body Nissan that was sloppy as hell. Uh, the difference between that and shifting that Tremec that you had in your JK, I mean, it was two different Jeeps altogether. I mean, there was, I would have been absolutely miserable off-road with my 09 JK that I used to have, but with yours, with that Tremec in it, with the quick draw bell in it, um, and, and, and I mean, I'm not sitting here just trying to blow smoke up your butt and, and, and promote the... The quick draw bell. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's an, I mean, it's obviously it's an awesome product. But I mean, you know, um, I, you've obviously shifted stock JKs before, but mine. I mean, and and even my cousin had one as well. You had four or five inches of slop in each gear in the shifter on the six speed JKs, and first gear was lame. It was only like three point seven to one. So even like when I did some Michigan fire trails up north in my old JK. That I had my JKU, you know, first gear low. If you were doing a pretty serious hill climb, you felt like you just had no gearing. I mean, it was, you know, you needed it to be a little bit deeper yet, and uh, you know, so I, I really hadn't thought about the fact until I got behind the wheel of your JKU, 
with the Tremec in it, I, I hadn't thought about the fact that, that a creeper gear in one of those Jeeps would make such a day and night difference, complete day and night difference, and the fact that when I operated the shifter, I could pick a gear and know what gear I'm in, not like go, oh, is this third or is this sixth or is this maybe reverse? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but if you remember the, the the actual, I don't want to use the word downfall, but the the kind of amazement part. Since we were one of the few stick shift vehicles there, everyone else had, uh, you know, such a uh, what do you want to call it? They they could only go so slow with their automatic without pressing their brakes. So we were the guys binding everybody up with our crazy low crawl. So it was kind of <laughs> you know counterproductive because we had to continually uh, rev up to match their their automatic since they couldn't go any slower. Well, that was their own uh, fault you know, for running an automatic. Jeez. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, because what, what do you think? We had um, the, the what, what was Vern calling his Jeep, the build for this year? Oh, uh, the, the UALRJ? Uh, yeah, yep. And then uh, Trent had one in that Scout. Uh, the guys over at International had one in their Scout. Uh, Stephen Watson had an MV4500. Okay. Off-road design. Think, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, you're probably right. There was not a lot of manuals, but now think about it, Chad. You know, and this is back to conversations you and I have had over the years about reliability. And not to make this a manual versus automatic episode, but going back to things you and I have talked about, um, you know, just so our listeners know, and before, you know, I didn't prime you or anything, um, how many, uh, you know, manual transmission failures did you see on this trip? I think the bigger question is uh, what kind of transmission failures did we see? You know, everybody seemed to have it pretty much dialed in. It was, it was kind of funny because having having had no experience off roading and only started watching the shows last year, um, you know, for me watching the early stuff when guys are just beating the crap out of the rigs and having to fix stuff all night and doing this and that. This year, I mean, heck, I think uh, you know our Jeep alone went airborne for sure. And nobody really broke anything, so it's kind of impressive how well these things are getting built now. It's almost like they need to have ultimate adventure with rocket launchers. <laughs> I support this. <laughs> I support this. Even that much more difficult because everybody knew what they were doing. You know, we were we were the we were the dingleberries out there. Well, I guess we didn't. You know, you're correct. We didn't have any complete transmission failures. But we did have, with exception of maybe Ian's, uh, that I think he had to like flush out and stuff. But we had four or five automatics that uh, had overheating issues. Um, well, but- if, if you're familiar with that Ian Johnson show, he doesn't know what he's doing to begin with. He just rubs <laughs> stuff together and then just puts more weld on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You know, Ian's gonna love that, man. I love it. Oh you. boy. <laughs> so uh yeah i guess that means we're gonna have to try and get him on the show to yeah i'll tell you what <laughs> so um speaking of of manuals and stuff though uh I, I i know you intermittently listen to the podcast you're a real busy guy and this and that but i don't know if you know did you know that we had uh, uh a gentleman jeff ismail uh from ih parts america on the show yeah yeah i sure did um, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that episode or not, but he kind of uh, cats out of the bag on something that I didn't even know about. Um, apparently, you're working with him to uh, do some, uh, what, AX-15 swaps and some uh, early scouts? Yeah, we sure are. It's, um, it, it's, it's very crazy 
is the word to use here, crazy, how <laughs> folks look at each and every one of their bills. But, um, you know, a, a interesting success we've been having is folks wanting to either upgrade the factory engine or transmission, but not both. You know, they're just hmm. upset with one or the other. So depending on which make and model we discuss, that you know, there's there's different aggravations. But with the Scouts and their four-cylinders, they never had an overdrive. Um, you know, so we can hang a brand-new AX-15 in there. Uh, Jeff's going to work on cross members and, and adaptation for the transfer case, and, you know, we're off to the races. It's an external rear slave cylinder, uh, modern clutch kit, brand-new billet flywheel. You know, you don't have to chase the obsolete parts. It's just in a box, shows up to you, and you're, you're heading down the road again. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny about that is I remember asking you why you had a slant four, um, you know, scout engine sitting there at your shop when I was down there, and I think you said something along the lines of, Oh, I'm working on something with Jeff or something. And that was about the end of the conversation. And, you know, and I kind of figured, cause you know, you're pretty open with me. You know, we've been pretty close for years. You've told me a lot of your stuff, but I know that every once in a while you get a little secretive with me and I respect that because you're in a pretty tight industry and you know that I'm a media guy and, you know, hopefully I don't let something slip, but I always could. Um, but then Jeff gets on the podcast and he's telling me all about this awesome company, a quick draw brand that's building these parts for, uh, and I'm like, Oh, that's what he's up to now. So, you know, I hear about well, it if, from if your you guy. Think, if you think about it, Steve, we weren't, you know, whatever that discussion was about that engine, it's completely out of my mind because if you recall, it was eyeballs bulging out of our head out of stress, trying to get that Jeep built the morning we're trying to leave. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, that's true. Thinking about anything except make this thing go down the road at 60 miles an hour <laughs> is not my radar at the moment. All right. All right. So I, I got to have you confirm or deny something. If my memory is correct on the, the UA thrash here. Okay. I have told the story. I've even said it on the podcast, and I've had three or four people say that there is absolutely no way that this happened. And you tell me if I'm making it up or if, uh, you know, and if I am, that's fine. But I have told several people that if we couldn't fix that Rubicon or that, that JK that night, that you were like seconds away from buying a brand new Rubicon on your computer there, and we were going to go in UK with a brand new Rubicon. Yeah, I had pulled it up on the stupid computer already. We were just going to put those wheels on it and assume they were going to drag on the fender. <laughs> Told you, John. <laughs> Told you, Chad. Was that I crazy? I never doubted it. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and you know what's ironic about that is there's a brand new Gladiator sitting in the driveway right now for another project, so it would have worked out well either way. <laughs> you, you bought a Gladiator? <laughs> yeah, we, we bought one of those 21 models with the um, the Eco Diesel, the 3 liter Dude. diesel with that 8 speed. So uh, <sighs> kind of got some big things coming in for that trip. Hey, now. up for some uh, visitors <laughs> next weekend. Kind of come down and get a tour of the shop and see some of the ongoing projects, maybe? You can. And more than anything, you'll be pushing a broom trying to get the messes cleaned up. You going to be down in Ohio, John? I mean, maybe. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I didn't have plans before this conversation. Oh, but... okay. I got you. Um, that thing's pretty cool. It, it's seeing about 26, 27 miles to the gallon two. in factory mode. Mm. So once we get the Danas and the uh, lift kit and all that, it'll be interesting to see how much it actually drops out. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. You know, um, and we always love talking about engine and transmission swaps and stuff yes. like that. I mean, is there? Is it? Can you tell us what you're going to be doing with this Gladiator? Or is it kind of a secretive thing you got going on? This one I can't let out of the bag. It, it'll be a 
pretty cool monumental thing if we can get it to pull off right okay very cool very cool well backing it up a little bit because i know this one is maybe maybe the cat is out of the bag a little bit on it um and ironically i had just read something i think that you had posted through uh quick draw brand or maybe one of your sites or whatever um and then the next day later somebody was asking about um engine swap options for their vintage power wagon but um i think and you can tell me uh a little bit more about it are you now offering something for the first generation power wagon for engine swaps or something or you're you're in the works or what's going on with that yeah so we're wrapping up a a new bell housing adapter that's going to allow you to keep the four speed hanging in the truck and just upgrade the engine so the guys Hmm. just want a diesel swap to cruise the lows or home depot or uh you know the rotor's just completely worn out or they just want to have that cool diesel but they don't care about highway use because truly if you're going to do a power wagon build your steering and your gearing and everything else is still you know just just too old um so you really got to do a full rebuild or just do this and i think doing this is what 99 percent of the guys want to cruise in so uh you know we get the we get the old straight cut gear noise we keep all the uh mounts and stuff in the uh, the power wagon we get a new engine platform very cool. Now, that, is that just the 2.8, or are you doing it for um, various other engines? At the moment, the focus is the uh, the Cummins R2.8 and then that Duramax 2.8, uh, you know, both being the turbo diesel. So you, you've actually made progress on using the 2.8 as a swap engine, the, the Duramax 2.8. We have made minimal progress. The, the adapter is done, uh, flat done, sitting here on the desk, ready to start advertising. Um, still negotiating with the uh, the GM side of it to get the crate engines, um, and then truly trying to find a builder who can find the time quicker than us to put it in and say, heck yeah, this is awesome, or what were you thinking? <laughs> hey, though, I mean, that's great, though. That engine's been out for, what, eight, ten years now? It's it's not a new engine. Um, yeah, they brought it out in 14 or 15, so it's relatively new, but we took that we had a, a you know a Chevy van with that Duramax 2.8 in it, and we took it out to SEMA in 18. That's correct. And we yeah. had the van loaded down with uh, with engines, and then the U-Haul trailer loaded down with engines, and it was one of the. Uh, I guess I'd say it's a five by twelve, the dual axle enclosed trailer, and we were doing 80 down the highway, keeping up the hmm. traffic, still seeing 23 miles to the gallon. It, it was a very wow. very impressive engine. Wow. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I've seen great geez. numbers back on them. That's uh, that's pretty cool. If he if he can start cracking the because you know they they didn't they weren't a rare engine um, by any means they they did build them in numbers and within the next couple of years you're going to start seeing them in the wrecking yards and so I think hmm. if Chad's going to start building this stuff for the two eight Duramax now that might be the hot ticket swap. Maybe I should rethink it's my. It's going to be pretty interesting. And and what we're fully focusing on is trying to make it emission compliant. That that's the only hang up at all with that Cummins R28 is we can't get past the 1999 model year vehicle. You know, that that's the part that just kills numerous cool builds. You know, you can't legally put it in a JK. You can't put it in a new Toyota. There's just all these dang hoops. You, you just can't even find a way to jump through. So it's unfortunate because that little Cummins is awesome. But to get around that, we just have to go to a newer engine platform. So we're, we're working with SEMA right now to get the uh, CARB and the, and the EOs and things like that figured out. Uh, you know, just really full forcing on it to uh, make that a viable solution for the emissions side of the equation. 
Just bring it to Michigan. We don't have emissions testing. <laughs> well, federally, the federally, there's still laws. It's like, but I yeah, know. there's like 38 states that still do annual yeah. inspections or something. But um, for for Chad to offer that, though, that's yeah. pretty freaking cool. So, oh, yeah. Um, back to UA, man. <coughs> um, your Jeep that you got back from uh, UA with, have you taken her out at all? Or taking the kids around the yard or anything with it? Oh, yeah. We've been bumming around in it. It's developed some type of uh, electric gloss on it, so if you leave it uh, hooked up overnight, it drains the battery out. So we must mm. have done something to that. <laughs> uh, still haven't fixed the rear axle we bent. The, uh, you know, just simple things that just haven't gotten back to it. It's just been sitting there just bombing around the mud. Yeah, that uh, I tell you what, though, man. I mean, what an awesome, awesome trip. It was... Uh, it was a triple lifetime for me. I, I think going through that tunnel underground, the old train tunnel, that, that was video looked awesome, that, dude. That was that was a highlight of the trip as well. And um, and when when Chad broke that axle or bent that axle, uh, <laughs> that was. I'm hoping that at one time, because um, I do have the contact information for, and we've stayed in touch a little bit. Austin, um, the the camera guy, uh, he narrowly missed Chad's jump there. Mm. Uh, did I tell you about Chad's jump? Yeah. Oh, you know where he? I just said goose it, and he hit the damn yeah. thing, and he did him on a four <laughs> foot off the ground. And <laughs> I don't think nice. I've ever seen a JK so high in the air in my life. So. <laughs> So, uh, you, you definitely, Chad, you definitely earned your stripes on this trip as an off-roader. Um, you know, just diving right into it. You, uh, uh, I, I got to give you props there, man. You, you, you know, that first day, probably the first half of the day you were kind of driving gingerly. And after that, you were just <laughs> balls to the wall with everything. And, you know, it, you, you just had a go for broke attitude with that thing. And, um, you know, I, I was just really impressed with your driving skill, the Jeep's uh, capability. Um, you know, it was – so are, are you indeed doing uh, the, the UA next year? Have you started building anything for it, or are you getting some plans going, or do you know what's going on or anything? 100%. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely uh, full force on the design side of it now. We're, we've got a uh, – a 57 flat fender power wagon that's a, a knockoff swivel frame, you know, so the, the cab and the bed move independent from each other when you're going over the rough terrain. So rather than jacking that bad boy up in the air, the, the whole thing just walks like a caterpillar. Um, so we're going to uh, repower that with a Cummins R28, hang a Tremec in it, and uh, just beat the snot out of it. I love everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Cool. Yeah, that uh, that's going to be a really really cool rig. Yeah, um, have you have you seen uh, this month's uh, four wheeler? Uh, you got you and myself's ugly mugs in there. I have seen some snippets of it, but you're right. There's some ugly mugs. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know. Of course, I look like I'm about four feet tall, which I am. You know, so uh, the uh, in that picture, but I'm gonna uh, have to flip through that when we get back up. <laughs> yeah, no. Grab your bald head and make a wish. Yep, yep. <laughs> He's not that bald anymore. He's been letting all the hair grow out. It's weird, dude. It's like he's got carpet on his face. It's it's. I haven't Is seen that in a long time. <laughs> it's just weird. So um, let me let me ask you this, Chad. Um, your build, your uh, your JKU that you did, um, without of course 
plugging your own product, which of course that's probably your own favorite, your trans swap that you do with your Silver Sport transmission, which I you know you, I know you got your Tremec from Silver Sport transmissions, and they hooked you all up, and um, you know that's an awesome swap, and you do the adapter bell housing to the stock three eight engine or three six engine. Um, besides your product that was in that Jeep, which we already talked about, worked phenomenally well. I had my doubts about going from a six speed to a five speed. All those doubts are erased now. That was the perfect combination. Um, what was your favorite other modification that you did to that? Because I know you did a lot of little modifications, a lot of bolt-on stuff. What was what? What did you like the most about your JKU that you took on UA? Well, I will make one more shameless plug before I answer that. The the uh, the transmissions can be had directly from QuickDrawBrand.com, so you know we can we can hook you up with that. But I can tell you without a doubt. The, the best modification over our transmission stuff was putting that metal cloak all steel belly pan kit on that thing. That that was the lifesaver because there was no concern about how hard you hit anything. You just knew that crap was going to take it. <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean I don't I don't recall the gauge of that, but I think it's quarter or three eighths of thickness of steel on that. And uh, there are some significant dense bends holes, you know, whatever you want to call it, into that, and we just kept rocking. So that without that, you'd be dead in the water on the first day. I, I think mm -hmm. that was just a a superb product. I, I got to agree with you, and I, I figured you were going to go there because I remember specifically uh, the last day of UA when we were at Bikini Trail uh, in South Dakota there and some of that insane rock crawling we did and watching. That was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. But and you know where Jeff rolled and Ian rolled, and um, you know you were hitting some of those rock ledges to the point where you were just skidding right up them or right down them <laughs> on that metal cloak. And uh, you know, like you said, you might have gotten some dents or some scrapes in it, but uh, there was things that you know, just the angles you were at. I can't imagine doing those. Uh, without some sort of major drive shaft or transfer case damage. And as you know, uh, like that ledge that Ian um, rolled on, I think eight, three or four drive shafts. I think Trent ate a hmm. drive shaft on that and Ryan ate a drive shaft on that. There was several people that ate a drive shaft on that. And those were all people that didn't have skid plates underneath the full belly of the vehicle. Um, and, and actually I think you did bypass that one simply because we were getting way late in the day, but even other obstacles, um, you know, would have easily taken out, uh, things like that. That metal cloak really did do its job, didn't it, buddy? It, it sure did. And I, you know, I can't leave out Skyjacker. I can't leave out Warren. They sent us a really, really slick set of wheels that everybody seemed to like. It's just when you think about what you were doing all week and the whole plan of attack was destroy this Jeep and you couldn't do it because Metal Cloak was preventing you, you know, that, that sticks out in my mind. You know, obviously without that, without the suspension lift, you just would have been dead on the first obstacle. And, you know, you know if the wheels weren't set right, your beads are going to pop off. So all those things were critical. But, man, I tell you what, those, those guys have it dialed in. What? And, and I, I assume aluminum must work for folks. You know, there was you know a lot of argument about steel over aluminum, but I'm sold on the steel. It, it's the way to go. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you right now, Chad. Um, you know, years ago when I was on that dive team that you know about, we had an ex-military vehicle that had all aluminum skid plates, and um, you know the vehicle had actually they went and um, did a boat launch off of a uh, rocky beach up here and it had aluminum skid plates underneath it and they hit a couple of boulders on a rocky beach 
And it ended up pushing the aluminum up so high that it crushed the trans pan and filter all the way up into the transmission. And that aluminum was far thicker than the steel that was on your metal cloak setup. So, no, the steel is far superior, in my opinion, after seeing that, you know. And you can trail fix that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can can smash the steel back with a sledgehammer pretty easily if you need to. Um, speaking of your Skyjacker suspension there, and I remember telling Lonnie that from uh, Lonnie McCurry from Skyjacker, who came on UA as well with his awesome Hot Wheels Bronco. Um, one of the things that I really, I, I went into UA this year, um, I don't want to use the word biased, but I guess that's kind of it. Um, Skyjacker, when I was a young man in the 90s, was kind of the lift kit that you put on the truck that maybe rode really stiff and you went out to the mud bog with it, but you didn't really do hardcore off-roading with it. And they were kind of just the the company that like jacked up a truck. Um, Man, what a difference in keeping up with the industry they have. I guess I really never paid attention to what they're doing, but the flex, we never even disconnected your sway bars all week, did we? I don't think we ever did that. Um Chad. Now, if you remember, we didn't do that because we had never tested the flex before we left. So the fear was if we disconnect that, it might just all fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's that. There's that. Nice. <laughs> but I tell you what, man, um, the flex that you had and how smooth that road. I mean, there was times we were riding washboard roads at 40, 50 miles an hour. And that thing just, I mean... If we would have been riding in a leaf sprung vehicle or even a stock JK, I think you and I would have gone home with vertebrae popping out of the back <laughs> of our throat. You know, that Skyjacker wow. suspension was really tuned in for that vehicle. I was really impressed with that. That's kind of my point about the whole thing. I think the industry's caught so far up that it's no longer the ultimate adventure without some kind of tank traps or you got to, you know, drive through a minefield or something to. <laughs> start breaking things because everything is just so well built now even the tires weren't we what were we running toyos on that is that or what were what were we running on that thing no those are falcons Falcon the falcons um, yeah and i mean they just hmm. i think we did lose some chunks out of it just from the absurdity that we were doing but i mean you know they, they just chisel piece the whole thing was just i don't want to incriminate myself or, or belittle it by saying it was easy but it was something that with the right equipment Unless you're just a, a lunatic, you don't have to die on it. You know, you can just get through it and have a good time. Hmm. Well, I think part of it was many ultimate adventures in the past. They um, they hit a lot of mud. We didn't hit barely any mud on this trip, and the, right. the small we had a lot of rock crawling and trail riding. And the you know the the falcons, like you said, they just grabbed. They were like almost stickies, even though not being stickies. And on top of that, yeah, I think that. Um, I think the smallest tires on the trip were 36s or 37s. So, you know, we were from there all the way up to 42s, and people were running very aggressive. You know, most of the people were running the Falcons, which was a sponsor. Um, But there was a couple other brands as well there. And, yeah, like Chad said, it was... I think the guys from Onyx Off-Road had some 35s. Yeah, I think they were Uh, the smallest. Yeah, they were in front of us on that last day, and they were being a little more passive on some of the events because they just didn't have the clearance, um, you know. But but they still got through a lot of it. I mean, like I'm saying, I mean it. It's just when you watch the videos of past years till now, and you're right, we didn't have really any mud. But some of that rock stuff, when you look at it prior to climbing it, you just think there is no flipping way 
we're going to get up this. And there's sure as heck no way we're going down without getting on our roof. And it did it. You know, just hmm. the, the equipment was awesome. Well, you know, John, I'll tell you, Chad, I... Chad took to this thing like a duck to water. I've I've never seen. I've been involved, as you know, now in the off road world for every bit of twenty five years, and I have never seen someone who so easily took to that style of off road nice. driving. He just, you know, Chad. I I don't know where you got it from, man, but you just you you looked like a you. what's that. I, I can tell you exactly where I got it from. You had seven days to have fun, then you got to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but I mean, even just the skill, I mean, there's a certain skill level with how to, you know, and I know some of it goes with spotting and whatnot, but a certain skill level about picking the right line and um, when to engage four-wheel drive, when to engage a front locker, when to engage a rear locker. Um, you picked up so quickly on all of that, and you just... You, you within a couple of days there, you look like you've been doing this for twenty years. It was a heck of a lot of fun, but you know, I mean, if you think about it, like even that the the obstacle you mentioned where Trent had the uh, drive shaft separate, we didn't even go up that thing because it was pretty clear that that was out of our wheelhouse of ability. <laughs> and that obstacle we did do on the last one was definitely a grind and winch job because there was just no way to cleverly get up that that mound of rocks. Uh, so there, there's a hundred percent of scale that is zero possessed on this end, but it was definitely make seven days into seven days of fun. Yeah, it was, I mean, I can't thank you enough, man, for taking me along. It was such a blast. We had such a good time. Um, you know, I, you know, I know that you and I, uh, uh, we laughed through a lot of it. Of course, there was, we got on each other's nerves a few times in this net as two people in a vehicle for a week, Will, but I mean, we... Uh, for the most part, if you would have showered, it wouldn't have been so bad. Well, there's that. There's that. You know, <laughs> put some right gunner into the left arm. You know, uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, um, you know, the trip was everything and more that I said. You know, I think the biggest thing for me, buddy, was, um, you know, going on it. I was not sure up till the moment we started the trip how much actual off roading it was going to be and how much like you know, quote unquote TV, it was going to be like, were they, you know, I was wondering if it was going to be like, okay, maybe a little bit of off-roading and then trying to stage a bunch of stuff and them trying to make a lot of drama. And as you know, there was none of that. It was, it was literally the cameramen were running around trying to take photos and pictures of our shenanigans as we were doing this trip. And there was no fake stuff whatsoever. And I, I want at least this UA, I mean, maybe previous ones, I highly doubt it, but I can 100% tell our listeners and everyone else that UA is 100% real. Everything you see on the video, everything you see in the pictures, that is real. That's what we did. There was Thanks. no, there was no drama. There was no, there was no staging of stuff. There was no, okay, pull your tire up under this rock so we can take a picture. And then you didn't really do the obstacle. It was nothing like that, you know, so. Um, It'll be interesting to see what the video depicts on that, because if you remember, and I'm sure you do, you know, just trying to get a really cool picture of where we were, like coming down that mountain face where uh, the guys that, uh, who was it? Was it the folks from uh, Dana where they, they were coming up as we were coming down, so they had to do a eight-point turn to head the other direction where there wasn't eight points <laughs> worth of space to do it. Oh, I kind of remember uh, that, yeah. Know, trying to take trying to take those pictures and we can't even get the the depiction of the incline we're sitting at you know that was that's what's going to be neat about seeing it on tv is does it depict what we were actually doing because my gosh some of that stuff just 
didn't seem possible. <laughs> the TV, unfortunately, the TV camera pictures, it never gives you the elevation. Like you never fully get the full idea of how much of a drop off. I know, like I'm looking back through my pictures and. And I remember, like, the day we went up to that old uh, gold processing smashing mill, You, re- if you remember, Chad, there was times where you're looking down and you know if you rolled off the side of that trail, trail your vehicle was going to roll for four or 500 feet before it stopped. Hmm. And, sure. you know, the pictures don't show that. You just look at it, it looks like you're on the side of a hill. It's like, no, right. that's not the case, you know. That's, you know, you're if you went off the side of that thing, you were you weren't stopping. Yeah. There was there was no stopping that vehicle. So uh, you know, that was just that was super cool. But you know, Chad, um, you know, we've talked a lot about UA and all that. I guess maybe switching gears here for a minute. Um, you know, uh, we haven't talked about your prod I know you've come on the podcast, maybe this is your third or fourth time, and we really always appreciate you having you on. Um, do you got any like new crazy products our listeners need to know about? Like anything you're doing right now that, uh, we haven't heard about yet. So I, I, I know that, um, most of the folks have known that we had, or not we, but Cummins had back ordered the engines. We had had some successful years selling those boogers that, uh, you know, that along with COVID things kind of came to a grinding halt back in August. Uh, but you know, we're back up and running. They're taking pre-orders right now. So come January, the motors are back on the ground and scooting. Um, so we're doing a, just a massive dash right now to get all these products that we've uh, either, you know, been sidelining, just haven't had time to list. Uh, and then on top of that, we've got a couple of really cool full installs uh, that you can, you know, just buy in a box, bolt it in on your end hmm. with the uh, with the thought on our end being nothing more than we don't want to cut or weld to the frame, you know, where anywhere possible if we don't have to. Now, some things I, I, I'm going to interpret are just going to become that way when we get to the builds. But, you know, currently we've got a, an FJ40 here. We're doing a 2.8 swap. And the uh, the absolute crazy part is is we're running an Allison 1000 bolted up to the factory transfer case. So if, if you can imagine how short 90 inches is for a wheelbase and cramming a, a one-ton heavy-duty Allison 6-speed in there, um, you know, I, I've got a, a brand new product line about to release to, to make the Allison fit in damn near any wheelbase vehicle, unless you're looking at a, a sidekick, you know, something that's just absurd. Where, um, where, that, hang on, where, how, where did you get an adapter to go from an Allison 1000 to an FJ40 Toyota Land, Land Cruiser transfer case? Literally pulled it out of thin air. We, you made one? Selling, uh, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's going to release mid-December. Hmm. I was like, because I I'm heavy in the Land Cruiser world, and I've never seen an Allison to Land Cruiser transfer case adapter. It's going to be uh, for the extreme niche market that we're trying to fill a monumental success because the way it's designed, I can bolt it up to any different transfer case. Uh, you know, the, the competitors that have had solutions that at least work for the longer wheelbase vehicles, what they do is they put an additional spacer plate between the tail housing and the transfer case. I've made a whole new tail housing that's modular. So you can go from split case to 205 to 230. It, it interchanges with all of them, uh, you know, with a different spud shaft. And the really cool thing that makes this all work is the spud shaft on the 1000s comes out by turning the Allison on its nose and pulling the housing off the back. So you don't have to do a whole transmission teardown to take the shaft out of the back. Hmm. Um, so, you know, on top of the fact that you can brag, I've got an Allison 1000. Uh, it's it's easy to install. It's it's 
I mean, you know, think about the absurdity of this. It's a 18,000 GVW transmission in a 3,500-pound vehicle. <laughs> you know, you're, you're never going to destroy the thing. You know, I'm not much of an automatic bot guy, but I tell you what, if I was going to do an automatic swap, that would be the way I would go. I mean, uh, oh yeah, like I mean, that's yeah, uh, that's impressive. Yeah, and and I I can't wait to see this. You know, I'm just still trying to envision the how he's shoehorning a 1000 and FJ40. <laughs> that's like a CJ5 wheelbase, there, man. I mean, that's not much so of. So weren't we well, just talking about longer drivetrains yeah. in one of our other episodes? Here? Yeah. So we've got some pictures out on the old social media, but the the way that we win on this is even though the Allison's a heavier duty deal with a bigger oil pan, the length is shorter the way we can do the adapter on it. You know, if that if that spud shaft didn't come out of the back, we'd just be dead in the water. You'd have to do it like every other damn tranny adapter, you know, where you're you're adding pieces to the back and hoping your drive shaft isn't too crazy. And uh, with this one mocked up in the, the Toyota as we speak, the rear drive shaft is longer than a 89YJ. So, hmm. you know, if, if, you, if you can make it work on that, it's surely going to work on this. So are you saying that you've actually figured out a way to sh essentially shorten the stock application of the Allison 1000? Correct. Yep. It's, it's hanging Holy in crap. the truck as we speak on the, on the lift. Um, we're waiting on a few parts, that, you know, like rubber parts that we can't make uh, for intake. But I'm hoping to have this thing off that lift in two weeks. Well, dude, an Allison 1000 is not that much longer than like an old TH400, though, is it? It's not. It's not. But, you know, like with TH400, you can't swap the back housing off unless you do a full, you know, if you want to swap out the shaft, unless you tear the whole thing down. That shaft comes out the front, not the back. So that that's how we can win on this is it's an easy swap. You well, can just make that piece of the puzzle. That's what I'm getting at. You just made an Allison 1000 shorter than a TH400? It's pretty cool. It, it's... Um, <laughs> No, it's that's be beyond cool. cool. You went from you went from a a three speed non over. So the only heavy duty GM transmission prior to this was or automatic three or automatic transmission was the TH four hundred three speed non overdrive. You know, once you went to the four LADE, you you had this long housing on the back of it and all of that, and it made the trans real long. You're telling me you took an Allison six-speed, which is an overdrive six-speed transmission, and made it shorter than a TH400, and it's also like double three, overdrive. and it's like double overdrive, and it's like three times stronger than a TH400, and you've made a shorter application for the off-road guys. Yeah, and the cool thing is, it seems like all these vehicles land around 90-inch wheelbase, so it'll work for all of them: a Bronco, hmm. a Scout, uh, a uh, FJ40, a CJ7. I, I think the CJ5s are even shorter, so that might be the part where you just can't win. Um, but you know, all the other cool trucks. I mean, they're they're just right there at 90, you know, 88 to 90 inches. So it's just, uh, it's going to be pretty cool, you know. I, I think John right now can see the visual visual confusion on my face. Like I cannot figure out. I'm in my mind, my mechanical mind right now. Chad is trying to figure out how the hell you shortened an Allison 1000 that much. There's steam coming out of his ears. I, I'm like, uh, this dude. This is going to be mind blowing. Well, if you, I mean, not say if. I know you will succeed at this. This is going to be a complete game changer. Well, and so the real cool factor is prior to this, the reason. Uh, for example, advanced adapters or whoever was making that piece um, 
to, to go between there was not only to put a transfer case on it, but it was to make the computer work because you had to add a speed sensor prior to the transfer case. Otherwise, you were stuck with the GM transfer case and, and things went cattywampus when the aftermarket tuning. So with this setup, I've got the speed sensor built into it as well, so it, it kills all the problems with one stone. You know, you just, huh. you're just throwing a big rock in the air and getting crows on the ground. Man, Chad, even I can respect this build. <laughs> this is this is this is this is beyond a game changer. And I don't know where you got the inspiration for this thing, but this is this is super cool. Man, I you know, I think we're going to have to bring you on again. Uh, obviously, you've been on several times. Um, you know, we're kind of getting to our time limit right now, but uh, we're definitely going to continue to plug your um, your Allison stuff and what you're doing with Quick Draw. We really appreciate that. Uh, once again, we appreciate you taking me to eight, or I appreciate you taking me on UA and all that. But uh, you, you still, I mean, seriously, you got my mind blown on this Allison thing, and now I'm sitting here thinking, like, what can I build with an Allison 1000 now that I can fit one in one of my short wheelbase four by fours and um, anything? You know, uh, dude, listeners, listeners, you, Mr. Chad here is the guy you need to talk to. Chad, what is the phone number to reach you at? What's the website? You let us know all your your details. Yeah, uh, you know, phone number. It's just the same old number five one three four four six nine six five four. Um, you know, we're, we're working on a solution to uh, get the phone answered faster. Right now, the best course of action is drop an email, and I'll just try to get back to you, usually after five or six. Um, but the email address, chad at quickdrawbrand.com. Perfect, perfect. And then the quickdrawbrand.com is the website as well. And then you can also find Quick Draw Brand on the social medias. You're on Facebook and Instagram. Are you on Twitter as, all, uh, Twitter as well or no? I think that's about as much as I can keep up with. Okay, so you're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, he's got a lot of cool pictures on Instagram. He seems to put a lot of stuff up there as he builds it. Um, listeners, uh, you know, Quick Draw Brand, we've told you before, is a top-notch company, and the stuff that they're coming up with is always a game-changer for the 4x4 and hot rod industry and you know, and and Chad here is, and we got him on the phone, and he's he, he's probably going to blush when I say this, but he is a mad scientist when it comes to some of these motor trans or trans transfer case combination swaps. You know, he's he's finally the first time in twenty years he's the first adapter company that's willing to think outside of the box and willing to build adapters for more than just a damn small block Chevy <laughs> and uh, you know whatever Toyota transmission or whatever he's building like all the oddball stuff along with the common stuff and he's taking the common stuff and making it stronger he you know he torture tests it on UA and. Super cool stuff here, man. Um, if you're looking to adapt anything to anything before you call anybody else, you need to get a hold of Chad first. Is for that sure. fair enough, Chad? Well, I will tell you this for your, your uh, bad-mouthing of the small block. We're bringing out a bell housing to both the small block and BOP up to an AX-15 as well. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, John just, John's eyes just got big <laughs> over here. <laughs> this makes me very, very happy. John wants to put a uh, AX-15 behind Not a... Not wants uh, to, is going to. <laughs> wants to put an AX-15 behind a Buick V6. So uh, I think your guys are going to be talking very yes, soon. Indeed. So, um, Chad, as always, it's a pleasure. I know you're a busy man. We need to let you get back to work. But thank you so much for coming on. And we always appreciate you supporting Wheeling. And we, we appreciate you coming on just taking your time to talk to us as well sure, too, thank sir. You. yeah man 
All right. Talk to you soon, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Have a good one, Jen. Bye. All right, I man. like where this went. <laughs> well, geez, man. But I seriously, like, I'm sitting here and I'm going, the Allison 1000 is a pretty long transmission. I know nothing about it. <laughs> so, I'm, I, listeners can't see my hands. TH400 is the most stout GM trans ever. It's about yay long. Probably, you know, somebody's going to call me out on this. I think they're about 28 inches, 29 inches. Okay. Okay. Allison 1000, you're up in that 32, maybe 34 inch range. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's saying he's whatever he's done, and I I cannot picture how he's done this. He's made it shorter than a TH four hundred. Yet you still have a six speed double overdrive that automatic awesome. that's basically school bus strength. Holy crap! Because Allison's coming school buses and stuff. Yeah, I knew they were like heavy duty transmissions. How the? I don't know what he did. I need to see this in person because I'm going, I don't really believe it. So what are you doing next weekend? I'm seriously thinking we take a road trip down there for the day or something. One of these, we're going to have to do some video stuff down there sometime, man. But I um, support this. What are you doing next weekend, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty crazy stuff, man. Pretty crazy stuff. But, um, you know, John, I think that's probably enough. We need to let our listeners have a little break from us for a week here. But, uh, uh where can they uh, where can they hear more from us or least- uh, check us out on Facebook and our group Four by Four Talk on Wow why can't I talk right now Four by Four Talk on Facebook um, just search that or type it into the search bar there Four X Four Talk couple quick questions get you on the page you can interact with either of us or any of the other listeners who follow the show uh, you can also check us out patreoncom radio. access is those two dollars a month. Get you some bonus content, a lot of stuff we don't necessarily get to on the show. Uh, all kinds of other cool stuff you can get to. I think that's all I got. <laughs> Museum of Off-Road Adventure on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us uh, on the Facebook group 4x4 Museum. That works, and I think that's all we got for you folks this week. So with that, thanks for listening. Oh, I'm sorry, I almost forgot. Huge thanks to Mr. Andrew, our producer. Without him, none of this would be possible. I may have forgot to thank him last show. Which? I'm so sorry. Sh- I don't, I, if I, I forgot, should, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad I, now. Maybe. I don't I'm know. I'm sorry. I, maybe. But you I, know, Andrew, I'm sorry. Please accept my heartfelt apology. Should we say anything about like what's going to happen by the next time we record? <gasps> maybe. I don't know on that. Well, that's up to you guys. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> Mr. Andrew, the producer, might be Andrew the Daddy by then. So, uh, you oh, know. we're gonna have to come up with a new name for him. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it depends. We'll see. We'll see. Any day now. Any day now. We're waiting for the uh, for her to go. Boom, you know? <laughs> so I just imagine a turkey timer going. Bing. <laughs> I'm done, right? <laughs> so, well, it, with all that being said, thanks for listening and have a good one, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>